apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got to start with uh, with one of the top prospects in the, in this year's draft. Uh, an unfortunate incident today as he is a warrant is out for Jalen Carter's arrest. Uh, he is this is with a connection. This is in connection with the accident that happened on January 15th. He is being charged with reckless driving. Uh, so this is a very, very, very serious incident, and an incident that could that could very is definitely going to affect his draft his draft status. And, I mean, just a very, very serious incident, and very, very unfortunate that it is happening right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. It brings up, I think, a lot of you know red flags because yeah, driving. You know, it was reported too he was driving under the influence of alcohol, and to be racing with that, it kind of shows that he had no kind of awareness to himself or others lives and that definitely brings some you know big red flags but yeah it's a um you know sad story and you know it's um it's just, it's a huge mistake that's gonna cost him a lot of money oh i i think it will i think he's i think he's definitely dropping i think this is definitely going to affect his draft status i i can't see how it's not i can't see how a team's gonna trust a guy like this and trust some somebody like this that's that that's NFL teams they they they, they are real they, they are big on character especially before the draft and this this happened 
at the wrong time for him. It just just could, could the timing could not have been worse for him. I mean, Travis happened right before the combine when there are teams there who who are, who are going to interview him, and this happens. Let me tell you right now, in my opinion, he's definitely not going to be a t- top ten pick. Justin, how do you think it's going to affect his, his affect what's going to happen with him in the draft? Yeah, it definitely won't. You know, it, it, I think it kind of depends on kind of the charges and kind of what happens after. Like, I, I could see, yeah, maybe if he gets off with Baylor or misdemeanor or something, yeah, maybe he drops later in the first round. If it's something more, maybe it's he drops out of the first round entirely. It's it, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of follows next and what comes next out of the story and and kind of you know what happens, you know. But yeah, it, it's you know, it'll be interesting. I think it's something, you know, is there one team out there that really wants to take a chance on him and thinks that this is a one-off or there are going to be a lot of teams that kind of say, I don't really want anything to do with them right now and we're going to pass them up. So it, 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 I think it all kind of depends on what the GMs and coaches kind of feel like, you know, after the interviews, after kind of, you know, in the following weeks to kind of see how the story unfolds. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it could be somewhere from outside the top 10 to being outside of the first round. It, it, it's, you know, um, just kind of depending a lot. It'll be interesting kind of the next few weeks kind of unfold for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I could see out of the first. I think I think he's going to be taking the first round. I definitely don't think he's going to be taking in the top 10 now, but but I but 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 I uh, but I could see him not being taken in the first round. I think he's going to be like a late first round pick. That's my that's my projection right now. Yeah, I'll go late first, early second round at, at the moment. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be kind of you now um, interesting. Yeah, if you know who ends up, you know, taking them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And now that we're talking about the draft, and earlier this week, the Bears said that they are thinking about trading this number one pick. But the big question is: after this news, does today affect what the Bears will do with that number one with with the number one pick? Because uh, the thing is, is a lot of they, they thought, you know, all right, if we trade with like the Colts, if we go from one to four, we're going to get our choice. We're, we're going to get either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Now, looking at the way it is, it, it doesn't look like they're going to if they trade from one to four, that they're going to get Jalen Carter. So does this affect the what the Bears do in terms of that number one pick? And this is a tough one, but I think it does. I think I would not be surprised if the Bears just stay at number one now and they take Will Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you too. I do think that that is going to have a little bit of effect on what the bears do on draft night. Yeah. Cause I, you know, yeah. Cause I think they, you know, keeping Justin Fields and going and upgrading at defense down, cause that's something they really needed um, to get another pass rusher in there. If you could have got Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, you know, for, in, uh, you know, defensive tier line would have been huge for that team. So yeah, I think it does now. Um, I think it definitely does kind of change the mind of the bears and, you know, um, we'll kind of see what they do with that now. And we'll see if they can maybe get some of the four, you know, maybe they can drop the two or three and they know that the first two teams are going to take quarterbacks. They still take that chance and get Anderson the third pick, but yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what the bears do with that number one pick now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, the only way they would get like the only way they would get a top defensive player is if they trade from one to two, that's pretty much it. I mean, Trading from one to four, I mean, is is the Wilson kid? Is that kid from Texas Tech? Is he? Is he? I don't think he's on the level of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. So that really, the the the, uh, the Bears' best 
best hope now is is just probably going from one to two, and that doesn't get as good of a package as going from one to four. So, uh, yeah, I think this this definitely put throws a wrench because we heard earlier in the week that the Bears were sticking with Justin Fields and trying to trade the number one pick, which was the right move. Justin Fields should absolutely be the quarterback, but I think this 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 definitely going to change their thought process now, seeing what happened today. Yeah, it absolutely. Well, it it definitely does kind of change the mind of the Bears, maybe. Um, yeah, we'll we'll find out what happens. But yeah, I you know Anderson would have definitely Tim Ricardo definitely would have been great fit for the Bears on that defense. Um, but yeah, you mentioned too, you're not going to get as good as a package now. You know, if you're only training back to number two. So yeah, it, it does really change the minds kind of of the Bears, and we'll kind of see what happens before now and, and draft night and see kind of what the Bears are thinking, and they still end up trading or staying stay at number one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought for sure they were going to trade that pick. I thought for sure when they got that number one pick, they were going to trade it. But now, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Will Anderson, number one overall. No, I wouldn't be either now. I, you know, if they're not getting, if they don't get the package that they want and they think somebody else, yeah, if they, you know, yeah, they don't get the package they want, I could absolutely see them taking Will Anderson number one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So staying in the NFC North, we got to talk about another team, and that's the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And this saga's been going on for almost two years, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Brian Kudakun spoke yesterday at the combine. He said that uh, he said that we don't we do, we got to see if Rodgers is the right fit. I think the way things are trending right now, I think I think that I mean obviously there's three things that are going to happen to Rodgers. He'll retire. He'll be a Packer or play somewhere else. But the way things are trending, I don't think he's going to be a Packer next year. I, I, I don't think he's going to be with the Packers next year. I think, you know, both sides are just not committing to each other. That's the problem. Rodgers isn't committing to the Packers. The Packers aren't committing to him. I wouldn't be I, – I, I think right now, if I, had to, if I had to pick three options, him retiring, him uh, him playing with the Packers, or him playing with another, with another team, I think in a couple of weeks we see Aaron Rodgers – with another team. I think we see him with another, with another team. The way things are going with the Packers are just not good at all. I think they're tired of it. And I think the Packers, and honestly, I think the Packers want to move on and play Jordan Love. Yeah. I know. I, I, I'm there with you. I think they said, you know, GM said Ted yesterday too, that, you know, it's, they think Jordan Love's ready to start. You know, week one, we'll see. But yeah, I just, I think that, yeah, the Packers are kind of fed up with this. It's been going on for a couple off seasons now. He's not been easy to deal with. Um, you know, I know Packers obviously tried to kind of, you know, there was that big decision last year. They're, you know, Packers were trying to trade. They were trying to maybe try to trade them last year. They gave him that big contract. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting because the Packers are kind of have to eat up, depending on where he gets it's traded gonna, to. They, it's going to be forty million in dead money if he gets traded. So that's you know, that, that that's a lot of money. They, they you know, that uh, that's going to be sitting there as a cap. But yeah, with the way things went last year. You know, it just didn't seem like things are right. And it kind of maybe seems like it is time for Aaron Rodgers and the Pack kind of just move on from each other and just, you know, for, you know, for however, how much longer Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Yeah, it's it's just it just looks like it's done. And Gutekunst said after that eight and nine season, we got to reevaluate things. We got to we, we got to reevaluate things. Uh, but, but we got to reevaluate things. And the thing is, is this all goes back to that pick of Jordan Love. And to me, that pick made absolutely no sense at all. And I think that's that started the downfall of this franchise. I know, you know, Jordan Love could become a really, really good player, but I think that pick really started the downfall of this franchise. Yes, Rodgers had those two MVP seasons that were really good. But last year, 
you know, them them finishing them finishing eight and nine, they were disappointing. They could not keep because of this situation that that Jordan Love draft pick and the whole Rodgers wanting out and everything that cost them keeping Devontae Adams, and that's why the Packers got off to a really really slow start as last year. I know Rodgers broke his thumb too. Or, I mean, Rodgers hurt his thumb too. But still, though, the lack of experience at the receiver position uh, was 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 key to them having the season they had. And then, obviously, Rodgers not being being ha- being Rodgers being the way he was, not working out with the receivers in the offseason. So I think all this stuff, all this stuff with the Packers, goes back to them taking Jordan Love with with that first round pick in twenty twenty. Yeah, I'm with you because I, yeah, I just I think Rodgers lost a lot of trust in the organization because of that. And yeah, it just it doesn't seem like that's that they've really been able to fix that you know um that relationship and yeah it's been that you know again it made no sense at the time that when you when everybody knew clearly you could have gone tried to get him another wide receiver or tried to just upgrade somewhere else and you go and get a quarterback in the first round it you know it didn't make a lot of sense i don't yeah i don't think roger's very happy about it and yeah I, i'm with you i think you know part of it too is yeah you know roger's not working out with their receivers last year. I just think the relationship with the Packers since then has just been entirely broken. They really, you know, I know they figured out the contract situation last year, but they gave them a lot of money to, to try to keep them around, and they kind of figured out a way to keep them. But, yeah, I just think it's at a point where I just think it's it's time just to move on for them and start over and with Jordan Love and see what he's got. Yeah, I think the relationship is over. I think the relationship is broken between the two. You got a quarterback now. The thing is now is you have a quarterback. You got to – I mean, I don't know if the – I think the Packers – who knows if the Packers are going to exercise – they're probably going to exercise Love's fifth-year option. But you really now have two years to decide. If, say, you say you move on from Rodgers, you got two years to decide if Love is your guy or not. And you can't decide you – can't, you can't make that decision with him sitting on the bench. Eventually, you're going to have to see him play. And the funny thing is, is this is this is very eerily similar to Brett Favre, very very eerily similar mm-hmm. to, to Favre because uh, Aaron Rodgers sat for three years, and and Brett Favre went to the Jets and got traded to the Jets. This very easily could happen to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's usually a good point. Yeah, it, it totally it could, it could be that that'd be a weird kind of full circle kind of effect there. But um, yeah, we could totally see Aaron Rodgers going to going to the Jets. You know, love. I know we kind of saw that one start from him with against you know Kansas City a couple years ago, but that was a short week. I you know it, that was a, a tough ask for him, but yeah, you know we'll, we'll see if Love's kind of the guy. But yeah, for Rodgers, yeah, their relationship I think is broken. Um, yeah, you, and you get yeah you have to figure out if Love's your guy because I think you have to give him at least two. I'm like. You know, like if for whatever reason Roger comes back, he plays the Packers, and the next season they end up trading him or he retires, and then you bring in Love for one year. I think it's kind of depending on what the how the roster looks on. I think it's kind of tough to kind of judge if you know in most cases if your quarterback's kind of your guy or not in one year. I think you you do need to at least give him two years to see if he can you know see you know if he's a guy that can um be your franchise quarterback. So I thing yeah giving them two years could kind of i i think's the best thing for um green bay oh i absolutely 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 you, you got you gotta give him two years to see if he's your guy and uh i think i think i think we're, we're heading towards a divorce i think we are heading towards a divorce between aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers now talking about another team who is, is going to be moving on from a player and that's the giants with this is this is not a surprise at all. They're moving on from Kenny Galladay, and and he, he had an absolutely horrendous, horrendous career 
with the New York Giants. His career was horrendous. He came in, the Giants signed him to a four-year, $72 million deal, eight, $18 million a year. They, they, they thought he was going to be the next Plaxico Burris, the guy that <laughs> the, 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 the number one receiver they were looking for. He was everything but that. He was absolutely horrendous here. And uh, the Giants are moving on from that. They'll save $6.7 million in cap space. And the big question is, is, is Kenny Galladay the worst free agent signing in Giants history? I'm going to go number two. I think it's number two. Number one for me is LeVar Arrington. He had injury issues in Washington in 04 and 05. He only played seven games in 2006. He signed a seven-year, $49 million deal. I'm going to go LeVar Arrington as the worst, but, th- but this finishes second. This is right up there. With the with 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 the Nate Soldiers, the Carlos Edmonds, those deals. This is definitely one of the worst. I'm going to say it's the second worst signing in Giants history. I'll go number one. I, I yeah, I know that Ari Davian Arrington won too. Yeah, that was, that was another bad one. Um, yeah, because he had the injury history. Galladay's had the injury history too. You know, I know 2020 he he had a couple injuries. In 19, he was a guy that almost had a um, 2,000 yards receiving, and all of a sudden it he was just he was nothing. I, I he battled, you know, again, like he, he didn't even see the field the last couple of years with the Giants, you know, and they had so many injuries, you know, it, it was insane that they're, you know, like things were that bad that he could not find a way to get on the field. And what, you know, even, even the chances that he got, he, he made some bad drops too. Like he just, it, he was so unaffected and it was insane to see the drop off from him because 2019, he looked like he'd be one of the top wide receivers in the league. And all of a sudden, he's it was he's at you know he he's been you know he's been invisible and um yeah the Giants don't he was going to be the number one guy for the next couple of years with with Daniel Jones and you know he's the guy that just disappeared and wasn't always total injuries it was just I I I have no idea why he could not oh, get the field it was awful you know I think Dayball knew this year this guy's not interested we're not starting him we're not starting him I don't care how much money we're paying him. We're not playing him. This guy's not interested. He doesn't want to be here. We're not playing him. Brian Dable made that very clear. And the thing with Galladay's is it's not like the Giants receiving core was any good this year. No. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it was hard not to start for the team this year, and, and, and he accomplished that. <laughs> That's how pathetic yeah. he was in New York. Yeah, he absolutely was. It, it Yeah, it was insane that he could not find the field with this receiving. Yeah, they're all injured pretty much all year. Like, even last year, you guys had some injury issues, and he really still – didn't even make an impact. Like it just, I, I don't think I've seen like a drop off so drastically like, like Kenny Dolliday's was, it, you know, it, the guy, you know, guy was, you know, the line top guy a couple years ago, all of a sudden, a couple years later, you know, just with how bad the Giants wide receiver core was still could not find the field. And it was, it was crazy that uh it just, that turned out to be such a bad signing. Oh, I mean, it was it's 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 absolutely horrible. That's a there's a reason that it is the second worst signing in Giants history. It, it is absolutely it was absolutely horrific signing. But yeah. we got to move on. We got to move on to the hardwood, and we got to talk about Kevin Durant. And he returns tonight uh, for with with. Is this his first game back? His first game as a Phoenix Sun. First game back from injury, and his first game as a Phoenix Sun. And the big question when you talk about Kevin Durant is is. Who is on? Who's under more pressure? We talk about the Suns. Who's under more pressure to win a championship? Is it Kevin Durant or is it CP3? I'm gonna go with the guy who who won who who who's, who has two rings. That's Kevin Durant. And here's why. Yes, Kevin Durant has two rings, but he won two rings joining Steph Curry's team. He won those two rings joining Steph Curry's team. Yes, CP3 has not won a championship, but he's he's clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
And I don't think CP3's legacy changes if, if, if he wins a ring this year. I really don't think CP3's legacy will change if he wins a ring. I know, I, I, I think he's still a first belt Hall of Famer. And even if he wins a championship, he wins a championship as the third best player or fourth best player on the team. If Kevin Durant wins this championship, okay, maybe you're, you're, you're putting him in that conversation with, with the top 10 players to play this game. If he doesn't, he, he there is no business putting Kevin Durant in that conversation with the top 10 players to play this game. That's why I think KD is under more pressure to win a title this year than CP3. Yeah, I'm with you. It's yeah, the super team that he joined. You know, the Brooklyn Nets one fell apart, you know, and you know, the, the Warriors, yeah, he had to join the Warriors to go get it, you know, go get a couple titles. You know, for the Thunder, he had Westbrook around him. They had, you know, some good teams and they just could never figure a way to, to win it. I think there is a there's pressure on KD because again, he's a he's a guy that he definitely has the potential. He definitely has again, he's definitely he's one of the generate best generational guys right now, you know, without a question. He's he's been one of the best players in the league since he's entered. And you know, he's been a guy that's kind of been mocked because yeah, you know, he hasn't been able to kind of win himself. He had to go join a super team. He had a super team for a little bit there in Brooklyn. Things just, you know. Never worked out. So yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure. And with CP3, yeah, I think he's he's really he's been, you know, he's you know, right up there as one of the, you know, probably top ten borderline top five point guards to play the game. Um, you know, he's I know in the conference championship games, he's you know, his teams have kind of fallen apart, but yeah, right now he's the third best, third, fourth best player on his team. And I, I feel like a lot of people will just be happy for Chris Paul that he got his ring finally at what age 38 or 37, whatever he is now. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more pressure on KD right now than there is on in Chris Paul to win this title. Absolutely. A a absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we will answer the question, should the Suns be the favorite to win the West with KD? And I think they absolutely should be. I, they're absolutely the favorite. I know they're in like third or fourth. They're, they're, I think they're in fourth in the West, but they should absolutely be the favorite to win the West. The team's ahead of a Memphis. They're not as talented. I know Ja is outstanding, but they're not as talented as the as the Suns. And you look at the Nuggets. I don't think I don't think they're I don't think they're as as deep as talented as the Suns. So so I think I think it's definitely. I know the West is so deep. You got the Clippers too. You, you even got the Warriors, even though they haven't been playing that well this year. I know it's a very very deep Western Conference, but I think with the addition of Kevin Durant, this team this team got to the finals two years ago. They had the best record in the NBA last year. Now they add a top five player in Kevin Durant. They should absolutely be the favorite in the Western Conference. Yeah, I'm with you. They should be. I, you know, the Nuggets are right there. They're all, hopefully they stay healthy throughout the regular season. Then they can make a run. It'd be cool to see Jokic be able to get to a finals. But yeah, the, the Suns have better talent than them. The Grizzlies have, haven't been playing well lately. Um, they kind of had some issues. So, and they've been a horrible on the road. They're like 11 to 18 on the road. They just, you know. So I, I think the Suns could pass, you know, can knock them off. They're three. The the Suns are three and a half back of the Kings for third. So they may, you know, there's a chance they maybe get up to third. Maybe the Kings are playing pretty well right now. Um, but so like the, you know they could face the Nuggets in the semifinals, um, which could be tough. And the, you know the Warriors are sitting there as a five seed, so you may have to open with them in the first round. I you know we'll see. They get some guys back healthy. And they're kind of the Warriors of old, but I think they should be. I the Clippers looked. I watched that Kings Clippers game Friday night. Um, Kawhi Leonard looked like himself the other night, and if he could stay healthy, maybe the Clippers can knock him off. But I just outside of you know Kawhi and Paul George, 
I don't know if I really trust anybody else in a big game six, game seven spot to knock off KD and, and DeAndre Aiden and those guys. So I do think the Suns right now are, are the favorites on the West. Yeah, you sure saw a lot of par- points in that uh, Kings Clippers game the other night. That was crazy. But yeah, I think that I think they're clearly the favorite to win the Western Conference. Now, should they be the favorite to win it all? I'm saying absolutely. I think they should be the favorite to win it all as well. I mean, I mean, the two teams that would have to face in the East are probably the Bucks or the Celtics. I think I th- we saw them play the Bucks in the finals two years ago. I think they're they are a better team than the Bucks with Kevin Durant. And even the Celtics, if, if, if they're going up against the Celtics, Kevin Durant is better than anybody on the Celtics. I mean, yes, you can argue him and Jason Tatum, but right now I think Kevin Durant is better than anyone on the Celtics. So I would say absolutely, yes, they should be the favorite to win it all. Yeah, I think they will be. If they stay healthy, yeah. I like how the Celtics kind of upgraded their bench this year. But, yeah, I, you know, KD with, the, with that core that they got, I think they are still a little bit better than the Celtics. Yeah, I think they're a little bit better than the Bucs, too. Yeah, Giannis still may be the best player in the game. Um, but, yeah, I think overall talent, I think the Suns are just a little bit better than the Bucs, and I, I think they should be the favorite. As long as everybody stays healthy, um, I, I think the Suns are the most dangerous team in the league. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we got to move on to LeBron, and it looked like the Lakers were, were, were playing well. They have had a, got a big win, huge win. Came back from 27 down in Dallas on Sunday, on Sunday afternoon, but LeBron has uh, uh, suffered an ankle injury, and he's going to be out for a couple weeks. The big question is right now is, can the Lakers make the play-in tournament with LeBron missing time? And I'm going to say absolutely not. I I don't think they can make the play-in tournament with LeBron missing time. You got you got teams like the Blazers. You got you got even even teams like you got even a team like the Thunder. You got teams too many teams ahead of them. They're in thirteen. I think they're in twelfth. They're in twelfth or thirteenth in the West right now. If you look at their schedule the next two weeks. Tomorrow night at OKC, okay, maybe that's a win. Minnesota, all right, we'll give them a win there. But Golden State without LeBron, loss. Memphis without LeBron, loss. Uh, Raptors without LeBron, loss. Knicks without LeBron, loss. So I think they go like two and four in their next six games. And I think that's going to keep dropping them and dropping them and dropping them. I think with LeBron missing time, and this could be more than two weeks. It's going to be at least two weeks out for it. It could be more. If LeBron misses time, I don't think this team gets in the play-in tournament. I don't, I don't think they make the top ten. And yeah, AD is a very, very good player. AD is not a number one. AD is not a one. He's a great two. He is not a number one. He is he is a Robin. He is not a Batman. So I, I think that I, I I don't think they're making the playing tournament with LeBron missing a significant amount of time. Yeah, I'm with you too. I know they just, you know, D'Angelo Russell just got announced he's gonna be out again tonight. So they won't even have him back tonight. Um so yeah, I, I you know, um the Thunder you know the the Thunder, yeah, that's a big because uh, Lakers are a half game up on Thunder right now for twelfth place, so that kind of you know they could flip flop tonight. The Thunder knock off the Lakers, but yeah, you know I know the Pelicans have been really struggling, but and they got some injury concerns. But like if some of those guys get healthy, I definitely think the Pelicans are better than them. You know Lillard could carry that Blazers team, so yeah, I think the Lakers are in trouble. I you know I know they're you know Westbrook's gone, but yeah, can I you know? Can I really trust Anthony Davis to stay healthy? And actually, he just got ruled out too tonight. So oh wow, and they play, the and, they play and they play the Thunder in OKC. So I think they lose that game. So uh, let, yeah, I think it's one and five. I, th- yeah. I, th- I th- yeah, AD. That's the problem with AD. He doesn't make guys around him better, and he can't stay healthy, and he can't shoot threes. That's why he's not a top player in this league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, he's just yeah, he's not been easily on the floor. He's not a big guy they can shoot, um, and that's kind of been problematic. So yeah, I know the Thunder. I don't think that. Changes um, Gilgers Alexander back tonight, but yeah, I still think the Thunder are gonna knock them off tonight. And 
yeah, I don't think the Lakers are going to make it. Even on Sunday, after the, it was Monday, Brian Windhorst had a story saying the Lakers are targeting the sixth spot so they, they could beat the Kings as a three seed. I was like, all right. But I would love to see that. But yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. chance it's happening now. No way. No, no way the Kings will see the Lakers in the playoffs now. No, not, not with LeBron missing the time that he's missing. There, there is no way that is going to happen. But we obviously we got some new rules in Major League Baseball this year. And there's one new rule that has gotten a lot, a lot of headlines. But before we talk about that, we are going to hear from our we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. Alrighty, so uh, we have a we've had changes to the rules in Major League Baseball, and the big one this week has been the pitch clock. And the big question is: is is the pitch clock good for baseball? And I think it's it's great. I think it's great for baseball. Get in the box, get the games going, get the games moving. And then obviously we had that incident with the Red Sox, with the Braves and Red Sox. Did you work that game? No, I did uh, last night my first one. So I did oh, not yeah. did not work that one. It didn't work, didn't work the one where uh the game ended in a tie because the guy didn't get in the no. box quick enough. But no. but 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 I like it. I, I like it. You know what? Get in the box, get in the box, and pitchers throw the ball. I'm sorry. The problem is games were taking too long. You were you were you were uh drawing fans away from the game. You were not getting the younger generation to the game. I think this is going to be great for baseball. I think they're going to get younger fans into this game. They're going to get more people into this game, get more people watching these games. Because the biggest issue with baseball was the pace of play. The pace of play was absolutely terrible in this sport. Terrible. And now with the pitch clock, it is absolutely going to improve the pace of play. 
I think I think it's going to really, really improve this game. It's going to it's going to it's really going to help the sport. You got to give Rob Manfred a lot of credit for being progressive and coming up with this. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think it's um it's a huge sign in the right direction for Major League Baseball because yeah, uh, it's already shaved off twenty three minutes so far this year in spring training games. Yeah, I did. You know, the Red Side game last night was two hours twenty minutes and. Boston and you know Miami both had combined like 20 hits and it still is two hours 20 minutes like it, it you know one and a half things was done in a minute like it, it's there there's a lot more action this year I feel like and yeah you know again my league it's worked at the minor league level those things fly by quickly nobody wants to sit at a ballpark for four hours on a school night or a work night and, and go watch a baseball game and there's so many of them too it's just I think it's great for major league baseball I think Rob Manford made the right decision and I think too for a lot of the guys now they're coming up like they've gone through it in the Myers minors as well using the pitch clock and kind of having to be ready so i feel like you know you know you know within the first couple of weeks that this thing is gonna uh you know I, I i don't think it's you know i think it's gonna be fine i don't think anybody you know i don't think we're gonna see anything like we did with the red sox and braves you know that that one was was definitely a crazy one but yeah i think it's great for baseball and yeah Matt, rob manford he's not done a lot of good things but you're right he does get credit for this one yeah i think this will this i think this is the best thing rob manford has ever done these rule changes this year, no shifts, larger bases. So that, that'll have more, there'll be more scoring in the game. And then to have, and then the pace of play is going to be a lot better. I think these rule changes are the best thing that Rob Manfred has, has done as commissioner. Yeah. I think they've been outstanding. And I think this is a baseball season. I'm very excited for, I think, I think this is one of the most, this is, I'm always excited for the baseball season. But this is one of the most, I, I think I'm more excited than I've been in a while for a baseball season to start. Because of these rules, because because of this, and you talk about the minor leagues, how this started in the minor leagues. So the minor leaguers coming in, they're going to be ready for this. So this is this is I, I, a lot of people like love these rules, really love love these rules. So I, I don't I don't see a lot of people not liking these rules. No, I haven't really seen a lot of pushback either. You know, not even you know. So yeah, and I think it's a good thing. I think somewhat though, I think people under kind of stain like the you know that. I know, yeah, because again, it doesn't make any sense for some of these pitchers that they wait 45 seconds to throw a pitch, and it's just like you know, you lose interest in that. And again, when it you know, a, and a bat takes five minutes, it's just you know, you get tired of it. So yeah, I, you know, there it's been good. I think that there hasn't been a lot of pushback. I think we'll see less and less of it as time goes on now, and guys get used to it more. But yeah, I think it's an awesome thing. You know, the no shifts again. I watched Mets and Cardinals on ESPN there that again. I saw a couple of hits up the middle. It's like I don't know the last time I've seen. A couple of base hits up the middle. It's been five, six years. So yeah, the no shifts are good too. Like, yeah, the things that Bamford's done is is really good for baseball, and I think it is right now starting to kind of head in a positive direction. And that's the first time we've really said that in a while. Like, you know, it. So I think it's good, and hopefully, kind of attendance and, and viewership goes up because of it. Oh, absolutely. It definitely has been the first time we've been all over Rob Manford. We've been all over stuff. Rob Manford hasn't done right, but you got to give Rob Manford credit when he does stuff right. And this is absolutely something that he's done right. And I'm tired of hearing these traditionalists because I, because I know a lot of people really like this, but there are the traditionalists out there. that were like saying, Oh, we're ruining baseball, ruining baseball. No, you're not. You're making, they're making the sport better. They're making the sport a more watchable product, a, a more watchable product, you know, the problem is the way it was. It was the way it was trending. It was becoming a, a, a not a watchable product. It was becoming a product that was getting boring for the younger generation. Now they are thinking. They are being progressive. I don't want to hear the traditionalists, you know, you know, bashing bashing this. No, this is this is definitely something that is making this sport better. 
Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, wasn't it like the 79 World Series or like somewhere in the 70s? There was like a game seven. It was like 10 to nine, but the game was over in like two hours. That's what you need. It, That's what you yeah. want. That's baseball's yes. gold. That's what they want. They want an action. They want, they want you to sit there for two hours and they don't want you to take your eye off the product. They, they don't want you sitting there for four hours and pretty much watching it for half the time. No, they want you to sit there for for four, you know. Two, uh, two, two, two and a half hours and, and, and not have your eyes off of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that definitely helps like the minor league game that's, you know, you really can't, you know, the pitch it, yeah, it's like 15 seconds and it's, it's great. It, it kind of keeps you engaged and you're not kind of flipping the channel in between pitches trying to catch something else. So yeah, I think it absolutely is going to keep people engaged in that. Um, And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. And, you know, the one thing will be, you know, it'll be interesting because I know like the World Baseball Classic, they're not going to use the pitch clock for so, for some like some of those pitchers that are pitching the World Baseball Classic. Maybe there's a little bit of um, or even the haters too. Maybe kind of first couple of weeks, some of those guys that are playing over there, maybe you see them get a violation or two. Maybe just because you know, I don't know how much they're going to use because I know some of the pitchers have said that you know they're they're just staying with their spring training, you know, with their major league teams so that they could kind of work on the pitch clock and um you know, kind of get used to new rules. So, but yeah, it, it's, I think it's an awesome thing for baseball. It's, it's great to see. Cause yeah, nobody wants to sit there for four hours, especially there's 162 games. And we want to sit there for four hours and, and, and watch a game drag on. And you brought up the world baseball classic. That's the reason I will be watching much. I won't be watching yeah, much of the world baseball classic because it's no. going to be the, you know, the same old rules. Now with the new rules, I think, I think this, the, I think it's going to be really good. And some of those players that need to adjust, you, you the, some of these players that you think are going to, are going to complain about it, just adjust, adjust mm-hmm. to these rules. You got to adjust. It's your job. Adjust to the rules. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they ab- absolutely. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it shouldn't be much. I won't be watching the most of the World Baseball class. It's a horrible time of year with March Madness. They're doing it right in the middle exactly. of it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, it's it's it, it's great for uh Major League Baseball that yeah, they're they're finally implementing this. And uh, you know, again, I think it's gonna bring it's gonna bring a lot more action without the shift too. I baseball I think is gonna be a much be- better product than it has the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I think this year you're in for. I think we're in for to see one of the best baseball seasons in years. I think I think I think we're going to be in for that. I think I think we're going to be in for an outstanding season because of these new rules. But we got to move on to the big game in Chapel Hill as Duke faces North Carolina. North Carolina, according to Joe Lenardi, is one of the first four teams out of the tournament. <laughs> you don't like that, no. Duke. No. Uh, Duke uh, is is playing well. They've won five in a row. Uh, they, they had a big game, big performance from Jeremy Roach from it last night, got a win over their uh, in-state rival, NC State. So this game, though, I think is close and competitive, but I'm going to go with the team that needs this one more, and I'm going to go with UNC at home because I don't think Duke is a great team this year. I think they're they're good. They're not they're not great. Uh, and obviously we know Shire is not Coach K. And then and in Carolina, yes, it's Herbert Davis has not done a good job coaching this year, but still, they got a lot of guys back. They got a lot of – they like four starters who played on that team that played in the national championship last year. So I'm going to go with North Carolina in this game, but you definitely did not like the fact that Carolina is one of the first four teams out of the tournament. No, because it's ridiculous that they have one quad one win and we're sitting there and they're North because they're North Carolina. That That's why they're they're The ACC is mediocre at best. It's a team that has not looked good. They've looked good for the last week. And now we're going to be sitting there again. It's just because it's North Carolina. Like if you put, you put like Wake Forest in there. They're probably, you know, they're probably like the first twelve out. They're in that range, so that's why I can't stand it. North Carolina's not that good of a team. I, I, because I got Duke winning this. 
Duke's starting to, I, I hate to admit it, but they're starting to kind of figure some things out. Roach has played well. Derek Lively's starting to kind of get in a groove too. Um, and even and up to last Saturday against Virginia, I thought the only guy that was actually trying was Armando Baycott. I thought like everybody else just kind of quit. You know, Caleb Love's got the longest leash I've ever seen a player have. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know. Um, but I, I think Duke right now is a little bit better than the team. And I, I just think North Carolina, they've been shooting the ball better. That's kind of been what's um, – that, that's kind of been – you know, the shots have been falling for him finally. And Duke's defensively has – this is the best Duke's played defensively, I think, in the last, like, five, six years. They, they're really good on that end of the floor. I think they I think they figure it out again. I think they, uh, you know, make sure that North Carolina stays out of the NCAA tournament this year. And I think Duke goes down to uh, Chapel Hill and gets a sweep this year over, over uh, UNC. Yeah, I could definitely see them winning that game. Does it bother you that Duke plays two bigs, though? They play Lively and they play Filipowski. Does it bother you that they play those two bigs? It's kind of an old-school lineup there. No, I don't mind it. I kind of I like it. You know, I kind of like that they're going a little bit old-school. You know, Filipowski can shoot, which is which is very helpful. That's the one, the one thing I do worry about if Duke gets a smaller team. Like, Miami exposed that big lineup. That's where I, I could kind of say, yeah, maybe he shouldn't, you know – in a game where um, they get like a four guard lineup, I, they're going to have a lot of problems guarding. But against a team like North Carolina, against against opponents like you know NC State too, actually they played three guards as well most of the time, but they didn't really hurt them too much last night. But I kind of I kind of like it in a matchup where it works for them. Sure, against Miami where they got blitz on the road, I think that's one where it does kind of come back and bite you. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it depends on, pretty much depends on opponent. And yeah, for Duke, I think, yeah, they're playing really, really well. North Carolina, but the, but the North Carolina has won games though. They, they have been hot recently. They've won three in a row. So, and they need this win. So I do think they get it at home in Chapel Hill. They've won three in a row, even though they haven't looked good. Like two of those three wins, they have not looked good. Against Notre Dame and Florida State, they have not looked good at all. The win, the win that gives me a little bit of confidence is that Virginia win. Virginia right now is not a, <laughs> Virginia just, they can't score the basketball. That was the problem. I, how long have we been saying that about Virginia? Yeah, I know <laughs> it, it, it. It's been it's been the while, but you know, but I I just I don't know. I'm like they scored 48 against Boston College, Clemson. Yeah, like that, I mean Virginia, like that's, that's pathetic. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. So that's I. So like Virginia wasn't playing well. They played okay last night against Clemson, but I I just I don't think Virginia right now. They're not playing good basketball either. Like I'm not very high in Virginia right now. So I just think it's more the opponents that they have played. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of desperation. Again, definitely is going to happen Saturday night. But I, I just I, against a Duke team that's going to come out. Obviously, they 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 want to get that sweep. They want to kind of get revenge from everything from last year. I just think Duke right now is a little bit better than Tar Heels. Yeah, we'll see. It should be a very very interesting game Saturday night. If Carolina loses, uh, one more question though: If Carolina loses this game, do they have to win the tournament to get in? In your opinion? For me, yes. For the bracket, for the committee, they <laughs> probably have to get to the semis. I, I would think it depends how the bracket sets up because if they can kind of get one more quad win, I think the committee was going to love to put them in there. You know, especially in a playing round, like that's the thing. They're going to be in the playing game, and the ratings for a UNC in that would be huge for them. So, yeah. for me, yeah, they would have to win the conference tournament. That team has not played like a tournament team all year, and it's. Again, it'd be very interesting if they didn't have North Carolina cross your chest where they'd be right now. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. They probably would not be a tournament team. But it'll be interesting to see what happens Saturday night. 
But we're going to wrap up the show talking about the Rangers. And finally, so we're talking a little bit of hockey. You're talking about the Rangers. They traded for Patrick Kane yesterday. And the big question is, is we know the Rangers were two wins away from getting to the Stanley Cup final uh, last year. Should they be the favorite to get to the Cup this year? Unfortunately, no. The Bruins are an absolute juggernaut. They're on pace right now to knock off the 76, 77 Canadians for like the most points in uh, regular season history. I think it's like 132 the Canadians had. I think they're on pace right now for like 134. Um, so the Bruins are an absolute juggernaut. And the Eastern Conference is going to be a bloodbath. The top six point leaders are all in the Eastern Conference right now. So that that, that Eastern Conference, I think, is going to take a ton out of them. And again, Patrick Kane's a great addition. You know, another score. It sounded like um, Gerard Gallant said that him and Panarin are going to play on the same line. They played together back in Chicago. Um, you know, so, you know, they'll be line mates again, but I, I just think even they got the Eastern conference, they're going to have to play, you know, they're probably playing the devils in the first round of devils. It's not like the devils of the old were preserved. Yeah, they but, got some offense, but, but they should, they should beat the devils though. Come on. I, I could name should. one. I could name one player on the devils, Dougie Hamilton. That's it. I know the devils are having a good year, but they should be able to beat the devils. I think they should too, but that's a young team that's got a lot of swagger right now. They play with no fear. Their their goaltending's been okay. Their goaltending's been pretty good. It's been better than I thought it would be this year. Um, but like I, I just think that that and then you got you might ha- you'd have to probably play Carolina again. Again, that that was a you know that that was a tough series for them. I just and the only other thing I worry about too is they have no depth because they're pretty much at the salary cap and. They don't. Ha- they can't. They can't afford to call somebody up from Hartford because they don't have the room in the salary cap. So, like, I think they're gonna only play. I think they're gonna be like short of skater tonight. That's the only thing. Like, if they got some depth issues, they get a couple injuries, or you know, like Miller right now suspended. I, I do worry that they may not have the depth either, especially for how deep the Eastern Conference is. That they might. It may be tough for them to get out, especially if they play a couple six, seven game series. They don't really have guys that they could kind of scratch and, and kind of you know fill in for a night I, I think that could maybe come back to haunt them all right but in my opinion i'm not the biggest hockey person in the world again i'm not any i'm far from an expert about about the nhl but i think they they, they handled the, the the hurricanes last year they the devils i they, they should be able to beat the devils i mean I, I don't know many players on that team but i know the devils are having a kind of a surprise season but i think they're going to come down to earth you look at you look at but then you look at the other you look at the other conference tampa they were up 2-0 on them without Tarasenko and without Kane. So they were up 2-0 on Tampa last year and very easily could have won that series. And then you look at the Maple Leafs. Let's be honest. They're the yeah. Maple Leafs. And then look at the Bruins. I think man for man, they got as much talent. With Tarasenko and Kane, I think got as much talent as the Bruins. I, I know the Bruins are playing really well. I would not be surprised if the Rangers knock out the Bruins and get to the cup. No, I'm with you. I definitely think they can, especially in hockey, because because things can go so, again, one bad bounce can it goes your way again it could change the whole outlook of a series like that's why that's why the hockey player is probably my favorite out of the four pro sports ones you know just because you know just you know with, with those games like and just always being so tight i think i definitely think they cannot got the bruins you know yeah they they got the talent igor's been a little shaky at times the defense has been a little shaky for the rangers in the back end in front of them I definitely think they can make a run. I just worry about the depth. That off that power play, that's again, they you know, that power play should be the best in the league from here on out. They're they, you know, um, you know, Kane is not the same type of score, but he's still really good at setting up his teammates. 
He's still a really good passer. And he had probably the worst top line in the league, too. So now he's playing with um um uh, uh cherry check and um and Panarin. I, I think you know that that's gonna help his points go up even higher. But I, I definitely think they can. I think they got the most talent now, you know, especially the top couple lines now. They can they can match pretty much anybody. I worry about the back end, and I just worry about if there's an injury or two, how are they going to fill it? Because they do not have the cap space to call anybody up from Hartford to kind of fill in right now. That's that's the only thing I worry about. But, yeah, I definitely think they can. They probably do have pretty much you know most talent right now in, in the league, especially in these conference. But, again, hockey playoffs, one little bounce could change in the entire series. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But that's going to wrap this wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ. A, a different day next week. We will, we will be on Tuesday afternoon next week as we'll be talking about the NFL franchise. We'll talk about the, the because that's the deadline of the franchise tags in the NFL. So we'll be talking about that and we'll be previewing the conference tournaments. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.